Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, DEMA National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live, a radio show for the private service industry. I'm your host, Matthew Hack, and today I'm joined by my special co-host, private service professional, DJ Haverkamp. This week's guest is Ryan Hurd of One Sound Choice, and today we're going to be going, going to be discussing home technology. Before we get started, obviously, DJ, as usual, I wanted to see how your weekend was, and uh one of the uh what what do you uh what did you feel about the important topics uh over this week and uh did you have a chance to participate with the uh Super Bowl festivities Hey Matt great to uh speak with you again I um I had to work uh for the Super Bowl actually my principal uh had a party and we we were helping to make sure that that went smoothly and so I think that kind of brings us to an, uh, an idea I was thinking about with regard to just how a lot of people who work in private service end up spending a lot of their time uh, sacrificing some of their own personal enjoyment. I know a lot of folks had Super Bowl parties, but I would guess that a lot of folks who worked in private service were actually working at, private, at uh, Super Bowl parties and helping to make sure that those all went off smoothly. So sometimes in our industry you have to uh, you, you sacrifice for the enjoyment of your principles, which is something that's part of private service, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into the, uh, into that exactly uh, in regards to even travel and setting up schedules and, you know, people going to those parties and making sure the uh, principals are, are, are on the uh, guest list of where they need to be and all that good stuff, and that usually does fall back into the hands of the estate managers, correct? Very much so. And in light of our topic today, one of the big aspects of the Super Bowl is the TV and watching the show. And I know a lot of uh, private service professionals were probably sweating bullets, making sure, trying to make sure that that TV did not go out during the game. So. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's not be rude then, and uh, let's go ahead and welcome our uh, our, our special guest uh, today, Mr. Mr. Herb. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing Good great. Man. Doing great. Did you get a chance? Did you get a chance to watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> of course. Like yourselves, you know, we're on call, so we have to make sure that we're backing up all of our clients' AV systems, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I got a chance to actually watch the Super Bowl and was rooting for the Broncos, of course. <laughs> well, at, at least you were uh, you were able to come away uh, cheering for a winner, right? Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Well, before we get started, DJ, I know you wanted to kick it off, and I think the the question that you're going to ask is a fairly it seems like a fairly simple one, but I think that it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. So, did you want to go ahead and kick off the show today, DJ? Sure, man. It's up. Sorry about that. I um, wanted to just uh, see if Ryan, in light of our topic, could could give a quick overview of what a smart home and and smart technology is. Kind of just give us an overview of what what we're really talking about in sort of a general sense today. Right, and that's a great great question. So when somebody says smart home. 
the consumer generally out there is used to the word smart, right? We have our smartphone, we have smart TVs, maybe even smart cars. Now we have the smart home that's coming through. What that means to us is a combination of all these subsets or disciplines. So think the audio throughout the estate, the TVs throughout the estate, lighting control, automated shades, security cameras, security itself, appliances, all these different things talking together. And that's the biggest, the, the sweet spot to make a smart home. When you have all these other separate disciplines that actually talk together, you can have a lot more benefits out of them. Now the smart home can actually be working for you. Okay. So with, with now that we have the definition, what kind of um, – what what kind of technology advances have been made um, to 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 make it possible and are, are commonly referred to obviously as a smart home? But what type of uh, technology has been has been uh, brought forth to make it easier to operate these homes? Well, you know, over I've been doing this for 27 years. So we've seen a lot of different things in the smart home arena. Well, before we even called it smart home, right? everything from basic remotes up to manipulating different rooms of audio. What smart home has brought is, I guess let's back it up. The technology is getting less expensive and the chips are getting smaller. So the benefit of that is you're going to see chips in everything, everything from your washer and dryer to your next toaster. Now, some of those might seem ridiculous, but when you start connecting all these things together, so it could be as simple as wash is in the washer. Nobody needs to sit there, but that wash can text a person so the person can go back and put it into the dryer. You know, simple things like that. Everyday habits, habits it helps us. So that kind of technology benefits us because, let's face it, you know, life is getting busier every day. So if there's little things, all these little things that can happen, uh, our lives are easier. Okay, so that that's basically how it's supposed to work. But I know that that can be a little bit overwhelming uh, for any private service professional. So can you give us a little bit of an example of how those systems work and integrate together? Well, let's give you let me give you a security or safety example. So let's say in the estate, these houses are rather large, and they've got several areas of HVAC heating and uh, air conditioning units. And let's say there's an issue. There's an issue in the basement all the way on the west corner of the estate. Well, you may not never know about it. And a basic alarm standalone might pick it up, but might not do very much about it. Now, let's say it's in a smart home scenario. What can happen is the smart home senses that. The smart home starts flashing the outside lights. So now we're talking about time. So the police, the firemen, when they get down any street USA and is looking for number eight, well, your house is flashing, that's probably the house I need to go to. The principals inside the residence and their family, the lights go on. Now, they don't go on at 100% because just like if you're driving in fog, you don't want to use your high beam. They're going to go on at 30%, and they're going to light away out of the house. At the same time, it's also going to turn off your HVAC system because you don't want the systems to suck in the smoke and spew it throughout the rest of the house. So again, the benefit in that situation of having a smart home is time, which equals life safety. 
So you're telling right. me it's just not about showing off. Correct. <laughs> you know, and that's there, there's other functions that, that actually go and are involved with the smart home other than being able to uh, look like you can talk to your home and it answers you. Right. And, you know, you, you have other scenarios. You know, you have the fun scenario. You have the scenario that, let's face it, the principal wants to have friends over and have a party. Let's say the Super Bowl. It just happened. You would go around and you could turn on all these different TVs onto the Super Bowl. You can make sure that the Super Bowl is listened to throughout the entire audio system. You can set your lighting up. You have to do what you have to do, right? Well, let's say we give you one button that can set the house up. You push this one button, all the TVs come onto the same cable box, which is shown the Super Bowl. All the speakers are playing the exact same uh, sound, which is a Super Bowl, inside and outside, the whole nine yards. Now, what gets even better is you're done. Finally, the principal is ready to go to bed. All of his friends are out, and you want to go to bed. You want to retire too. I can give you another button that does all that, that turns everything off, as well as make sure that all your doors are locked, make sure that the garages are down, and give you indications to tell you that. So, yes, you have the fun aspect, you have the safety aspect, and then you have the realistic aspect. And, and Ryan, as I've reflected on this, topic over the last couple of days before we got ready for the show, what I've been thinking about is how all of these different systems used to be sort of standalone in their, the way they would function inside the home. So for instance, like if I have a sprinkler system for the lawn and we did irrigation, that would have its own control box and we went and took care of it separately. The home theater had its own system and we took care of that. The sound system was separate. The HVAC was just separate. The the security system was separate. And what I'm seeing now is that all of these systems that used to be very independent have all been kind of woven together and brought together under an umbrella uh, system that is the kind of thing like Crestron and the kinds of different systems that are being used to control all of these. And so what I guess I'd be curious to know is that upper umbrella that's controlling all of these different systems. What are some of your thoughts on like the different brands and the different uh, types of systems that are involved with that? Well, that's a great question. And you're absolutely correct. So we've gone from the days that everything is separate to everything is integrated. And of course, there's some benefits as I stated before. Now the brains, there has to be a brain that controls all of this fancy stuff that we just talked about, right? And there's a bunch of companies. Matter of fact, there's even companies that if you walk through Home Depot or Staples, you'll see that kind of product out there. The Mm -hmm. product that generally is used in our market, meaning the estate market, we're talking about three major players. So we're talking about Control Floor, Crestron, and Savant. The differences between the three, you know, each one does have its space. Right? Each product, for the most part, works well. It's very dependent on the integrator or the AV guy, the company that you choose. That's what plays a lot in, in a successful implement, implementation of a smart house. But the product itself, there are differences between the three. So let's take Crestron. Crestron has been around for a long time, and it's in most of the estates. And on its own, it's a fine product, and it's built right here in Rockledge, New Jersey. The issue is, is the programming side of the Crestron is dated. So we're talking C++ language. We're talking stuff that's 15 years old, as opposed to a newer player in the market, which is Control 4. 
One of the benefits of Control 4 relative to Crestron is that it's easier to program. That means less labor, which means it's generally less expensive. Now, there are give and takes. Crestron, for example, if the client must have a specific picture on their touch panel, let's say a layout of the house, a CAD drawing of the house, and have very specific things show up, Crestron is still the best solution for that as far as showing up on your touch panels. If the client just wants a good system and it just wants it to work, I just want to hit watch, cable, Control 4 is a great uh, solution to that. Another difference is on the programming side. When you have a Crestron system, all of these systems will cost money to implement, correct? It's the secondary things. The, the, the DVD player went out. It was a Sony, and now it's a Pioneer. The cable company changed from this cable box to that cable box. These shouldn't be monumental tasks. They should be as simple as swapping a product out, putting a little bit of programming in, calling it a day. Unfortunately, Crestron, because of their complex programming, it turns out to be contacting the programmer. It just ends up being more involved than it really needs to be. Now, they are changing that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not you know, putting down Crestron whatsoever. It's just Control 4 has been doing it a different way. Uh, other things to look for is where does the program reside? So let's say you hire one sound choice. Of course, we're going to do a phenomenal job. But God forbid I walk out the door one day and I get hit by a bus. Hopefully that never happens. I have three young kids, and we don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. You can call up another Control 4 guy, and they can get into your system and take over for me. There's no logistics, no legal things about who owns the code or where the code resides. It's on your brain, in your estate, and somebody can take it over. So those are things to look for when you're comparing your different manufacturers. Did that answer your question? It does. It does. That's great. Uh, I was wondering, too, if you could comment a little bit. I know that uh, there's something called the Zigbee standard, and I know that Wi-Fi plays a bigger and bigger role in the way that these systems are being operated. Could you talk a little bit about those standards and how those integrate into the whole uh, smart technology of today? Sure. So standards, we love them. We have so many standards in the AV industry that if you don't like one, you can pick another. It's kind of a funny thing. So we talk Zigbee. Zigbee is one way. It's called a communication protocol. It's one device can talk to another, and it uses a Zigbee network. Now, to give you an idea, Wi-Fi as you know it, in other words, off of your laptop to the Internet in the estate, that is Wi-Fi. It talks like that. Zigbee is kind of a piece of Wi-Fi, but it doesn't actually work on Wi-Fi. So it's a very low-level system, and you think of it like this. Uh, if, a light switch is is a, if a light switch is Zigbee, all it has to do is turn on, turn off, or go to X percent brightness, 50%, 70%, whatever. I just need a little bit of information. So Wi-Fi is kind of using a sledgehammer to send the information across, right? So Zigbee is a more efficient and effective way. And then each one of these products uh, could be a, a remote, could be a light switch, could be a, a thermostat. Each one of these repeat that information, and it's called a Zigbee, Zigbee network. The more stuff you have in the estate, the stronger your Zigbee network is, the more things happen quicker. So that's one of the differences between Zigbee 
and Wi-Fi. And there's another player on the market called Z-Wave, which is the same but different. And it just comes down to the protocol and how they talk. Usually what happens is based on the manufacturer you pull in is how it will communicate. Now, with that said, you know, it has to be brought in company philosophies. So with my company, our philosophy at the end of the day is simplicity and rock solid. It always has to work, right? Yeah. So right. in our perfect world, it's all about wires. Even though wireless is prevalent, right, everything is wireless, the way that we do our systems are still, we want to design a system that is as wired as possible because we know going forward there's going to be more and more wireless devices that we can't hook up with a wire. But if I get everything off the network today, 2016, I'm going to protect that network to give you as much ability to add things tomorrow. So I'm protecting myself and I'm getting myself ready for the future. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? That's great. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great, Ryan. That's great. I know uh, at our convention last summer, as I was visiting with the other uh, folks who work in private service, I, I know that the theme of uh, smart technology and integrating these things into homes is, is something that our estate managers really have to deal with a lot. And I know that we have to deal with different situations, everything from installing new systems in brand new construction to uh, installing a, a new system in an existing home or even retrofitting like an already existing system and upgrading it or possibly like going on to a new job and inheriting a system that's already in place. And I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners your thoughts on how best to work with a company like yours in getting up to speed and, and how someone who works as a private service professional could could um, really use your services not only, but also just as they, in their professional skill base, develop their ability to work with these systems. All right. And what we're really talking about is logistics and project management. I mean, let's face it, you guys are project managers. You make sure that everything that needs to happen happens, right, which is phenomenal. Sometimes with the tech, not understanding when we get in the house uh, could be an issue. So, for example, on new construction. So, presuming that we signed a contract and we know that we're putting an audio-video and a smart home system in, generally the rule of thumb is when the electrician, when the HVAC guy finishes his thing, when the plumber finishes his thing, when the electrician is got all the cans set up in the ceiling, then you'll bring us in and we do our thing. We start wiring everything up, right? But we definitely want to do it before insulation, right? On a retrofit, there's going to be different stages of a retrofit, meaning is it going to be we're not touching the house or we're going to be renovating the east wing of the house and then we're going to add some things to the west wing. So that it's really good to have a good AV company because you need to partner with. And it's really going to be about, okay, what's your timeline? What are, what's going to happen? How can we work with that? Okay, we'll do a little bit over here, and then we'll jump over to here. So we really need to work together to get these things done. And then on a fully retro, meaning if the criteria is we're not touching the house, we just want this stuff in, we're really going to be relying on you guys because you guys intimately know the structure. You're in the house. You know everything about it. 
So we're, we're really going to be relying heavily on you on, okay, I need to get a wire from here to here. Uh, let's talk this out and tell me, you know, are there things in this house, nooks and crannies I don't know about? So when you get to that level, it's really important to be open and honest and, and work with each other. That's a, that's that's great. a great that's a great breakdown, and I think that gives a very good insight to everything that you guys have to try to manage when installing a uh, smart home system. So with, with that being said, talking about logistics and, and communication, one of the most important items is um, is the actual control panel. And I know that through, through over the time, over the past few years here, uh, phones have really changed a lot. Uh, there's a lot more apps that are out there that you can use. Um, heck, you can even order pizzas now through your phone. Um, how how is how how do you see um, smart home app technology impacting the actual use of control panels? Well, I'm going to answer it in two different ways. So, app technology to me is a pain in the butt. What I mean by that is. Yes, we have a smartphone that has a bunch of apps that can control your lights, your HVAC, it can control your audio, your video, whatever. But now let's just go back 10 years. So 10 years ago when we put in the theater, right, uh, prior of smart remotes, we would be giving you a remote for the projector, the receiver, the VCR, the DVD player, right? So an app is like the old remotes. So an app is a pain in the butt, except you have to change from this app to that app instead of picking up a remote. With that said, now let's talk about all-encompassing apps, like an app from Control 4, Crestron, and whatnot. Those are good, and this is where smart home comes in, because if we can manipulate or control everything from one app without going out of that app, that makes sense. As far as touch panels and their relevance, this is going to come back to our philosophy. So one sound choice is philosophy, is redundancy. So you're going to have clients, principals, that always are on their phone. So yes, we can give them an app on their phone that can control the entire house. We also like to do touch panels in the main areas. So let's say kitchen area, let's say gym area, let's say master bath suite, because sometimes your phone's not on you. Sometimes you just want to touch it and play Jimmy Buffett or jazz or whatever. It's simple. It doesn't move. And it's purpose-driven. That's the one difference between an app a, an actual uh, panel in the wall relative to an iPad in the wall. Because iPads, you have to wake up, and they do multiple things. Certain times, it's much more appropriate to have a purpose-driven device. A touch panel is only a touch panel. You can't go on the Internet, which also means you can't have a crash like an iPad can. And third, our philosophy. There's different ways that people interact with their environment. So, for example... You really don't want to use an iPad in the theater when you're watching a movie because every time you turn it on, you have this bright iPad. That's a great place for the old-school multi-remote because it's tactile, right? You don't have to look at it. You can feel it and change the channel up or down. You can feel it and change your volume up and down. So if you think about it with these three different things, let's call it basic remotes, apps on your iPhone or your iPads, or touch panels, you give the principal the ability to integrate however they see fit. And we've seen it where the husband is all about his phone and the wife is all about the remote. Personal preference. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. So speaking of uh, of iPhones and being able to use your phones as apps, um, obviously one of the things that we always encourage all of our listeners to do is if they would like to participate with the show, uh, you can go ahead and use those smartphones at this point and uh, press the number one, and that will allow you to let us know that you have a question if you're listening to the show live and would like to ask a question of Ryan. Uh, you can certainly do that. Um, all you have to do is press that number one. You can also uh, text your questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number for text questions is 313-404-3998. Or you can post them on our Facebook page, and you can also tweet them at hashtag DemaLive. So with that being said, you know, I want to keep the show rolling here, and I think that, Ryan, you're doing a fantastic job of, of really giving some, some great examples and some clear ideas of what it's like to have a smart home uh, technology in, in, the, uh, in the estate. What is the most important thing that you feel uh, a private service professional or a principal should do once a new system is installed? Well, it, let me pull that back a little bit. So when they are – let's start with – finding a custom integrator or an AV or a smart home guy, however you want to call us. The best thing to do is Google the company's name and Google the owner of the company, right? Everything's on the network today. You just gave four or five different ways of calling into the show, right? So whoever the prospect is, I would definitely do that because that's very easy. takes you two seconds to do to start getting bios on who it is. Then when you pick your one, two, or three guys, uh, absolutely have them show proof of insurance and workman's comp. Nowadays, listen, these houses, $10 million, $20 million, $100 million, just the cost of the wall that you're putting the TV up, we want to make sure that the companies you are selecting are professional and are insured, especially in New Jersey with workman's comp. Now, the next most important thing is having a clear scope of work. And whether it's appropriate to talk to the principal directly or talk with the PSP, however it works, we want to make sure that we have absolute clear communication, that both sides understand exactly what the scope of work is, exactly how they expect the system to work after everything is said and done. Okay? And then we implement the system. <clears throat> after we implement the system, we're going to teach everybody, all the principals in the situation, whether it's the principal themselves or the PSP. And we're going to make ourselves available because guess what? Especially on a new build. We just came in and put all this fancy technology. You have a thousand other things to deal with. You have the carpet coming in. You've got the mechanics coming in. You've got the movers coming in. You have a thousand things on your mind at that time. I'm going to give you a scaled-down version of basically how to turn on and off the music, turn on and off the TVs, make the principals happy. In about two weeks, we're going to get together again, and then we're going to go through the whole thing. And in about two weeks from that, we're going to get together again and do it again because you're going to forget everything I told you because C.1, you have a thousand things on your mind, right? The unique aspect of the smart home integration firm is that unlike a plumber, who let's say puts in a toilet, they put in a toilet and they're gone. With smart home technology and smart home systems, we're touching every aspect of that house. So 
you know, we're going to be longtime friends. So you have to make sure that you pick a company that, A, you trust, B, is going to be on time and there when you need them, because this is technology. And technology, like my kids, they don't always listen, right? It's all about the service. More importantly, the afterwards service. Anybody can put in a bunch of stuff, but putting the stuff in right to make sure that you're doing what the principal wants and supporting them later on, that's the key to the whole equation. That's that's great, Ryan. And if I could just interject one thing just from my experiences working in private service is uh, the documentation and putting together some kind of a user's manual that you can leave. I know inevitably what's going to happen, at least for me, is the principal will want something changed or want to know how to do something, and I'm not going to be able to be there, and they'll call me on the phone. And if I have left a good notebook or something with simple pictures and documentation as to how to do it, that is going to hugely be beneficial for them. And and if, if our listeners work with you to help put together that kind of a manual, I think that would be a great piece of advice for our, for our listeners to, to be thinking about. Absolutely. And we do that by taking pictures of the device. Let's say it's a remote. We'll literally take a picture of the remote and we'll put little call outs and say, press this for cable, watch and yeah. then select cable or Apple TV. So we try to make yeah. it as simple as possible for you. That's great. That's great. I did want to ask you about uh, integrating these systems between multiple properties. If the technology has advanced to the point where if I'm the estate manager and I'm based here in New York and my principal has a home in Aspen or has a property in other parts of the country, and I want to find out if the temperature is working and if the sprinklers are on and everything else, can I can I do that? And what what is the status of the technology for me to be able to do that both now and as you look down the, the, the road into the future? Yes, you can absolutely do that today, and it's only going to get better tomorrow. So what I mean by that is, let's take control for example. The best case scenario is always having all of the principal's homes on the exact same control system. In a perfect world, whether they walk into their house in New York or they walk into their house in Aspen, the panel by the door should look the same and it should work the same. Whether they want to hit watch cable here or watch cable there, it doesn't matter if they're on Verizon, Cablevision, XYZ. That's regardless. It should work the same because we want to get them comfortable with how they work with their environment. Now, secondarily, the technology is already there that you can call into their house in Aspen. They can get on their private jet. While they're on the way, you can virtually turn their house on. So just as if I put a button next to the door that says home and away, and let's say when I leave my second house, I hit away, it throttles up or down air conditioning or heating depending on time of year. It will turn off all the pipes, you know, so you don't have any water damage. It'll turn off all the audio, video, lights, whatnot. Play a lighting scene as if somebody was there, right? Because we don't want it to look like it's dark. But you could literally, using an app, call into the Aspen house and virtually touch that button to say home, and it throttles everything up. So when they get there, it could even be that the hot tub is ready to rock and roll by the time they get there. So, yes, that technology is here today. Yeah, that's amazing. But one of the things I do have a little bit of a concern with is are these systems able to be hacked and what kind of security protocols 
are there in place? So let's say we have closed circuit TVs that are being monitored through this smart technology. Is there is this all based in the cloud or I mean, are there security protocols for keeping that kind of information from being hacked or what what are what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's two responses to that. <clears throat> Number one, it starts with the manufacturer of the product, right? So certain systems have hard drives that sit on site, which also has redundancy to go to that manufacturer's uh, servers that are off site. And they, as long as you pick the right manufacturers, i.e., not the cheap guy in the room, you're not, you're not going to buy a camera system from uh, Walmart, right? You're going to buy a camera system from a professional company. That professional company is going to provide product that is totally secure, 128-bit plus uh, encryption. Now, the second answer to that question is the company itself. So a company like mine, One Sound Choice, it's very important that we design the network with that in mind. We have to design a network because all the stuff that we've been talking about is really IT related. So the network that's in the home that has to give you rock solid performance and give you rock solid performance when the principal comes home and wants to look at something on their iPhone, iPad, or laptop, or has to work from home, better work 100% all the time. On top of mm -hmm. that, depending on who the principal is, they want to make sure everything's secure. So you know what? They could be a doctor and they just want to work from home and call into work. There's certain protocol that has to be done there. Or they could be a rock store. They could be a you know, prime target for something in which we want to make sure that nobody has any ability to hack this whatsoever. Excellent. How, well, I think that that's, that's always a very important issue, and I'm glad DJ brought that up because safety and security is the number one mission uh, when it comes to what, what DEMA has, uh, has working in its, uh, uh, in its benefit. And we want to make sure that all of our private service professionals are educated and have the appropriate resources uh, at their fingertips to be able to make sure their principals do have that safety and protection. So with that being said, we got about 10 minutes left. Um, and, and, Ryan, I really appreciate you being on the show, taking the time out of your uh, schedule to be here. Um, if people have questions for you regarding the system, um, I know that you're primarily working um, – you guys primarily do work on the control for uh, control four system, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, so if people have a control four system, or if they just have the questions about smart home technology, how can they reach out and uh, talk with you? Well, three ways. Obviously, way number one is give me a call. Our phone number is nine seven three three one six zero six seven eight. You can also go onto the web and find us at www.onesoundchoice.com. You can either put the number one or spell it out, your choice. Or you can simply email me at ryan at onesoundchoice.com, all spelled out. So we make it really easy. Even if you do have a Crestron or a Savant or an XYZ system, again, I've got 27 years in the field. I'm more than happy to help you. I can answer any question, whether it's a a little issue that's going on with a secondary TV in the bedroom or your entire system doesn't seem like it's working properly, I can absolutely help you or at least point you in the right direction to get some help. 
Excellent. Oh, I think that that's an important piece. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to open up Pandora's box here because I think it's one of the things that we run into a lot um, when when dealing and, and talking about smart home uh, technology. And that's, you know, when talking with the companies like Savant, Crestron, um, Control 4, their response in, in regards to how the program works and how well the system works is it's never the fault of Crestron. It's never the fault of Savant. Um, it usually comes back into play with regards to the actual company that did the installation. And so with that being said, if that's the focus and the philosophy that those companies are going to take, that makes the integration company that much more important in this whole cycle. So my question to you is, what are some of what are some of the things in this industry that drive you crazy, and how would you like to see the industry changed? Well, from an industry perspective, let's face it, you're absolutely correct. Unfortunately, I'm embarrassed to say it, but you are correct. The reality is, is our industry is still a young industry, right? The electricians have been around forever. Nothing much has changed in electric, right? We've gone from knob and tubing to everything in one jacket. Plumbers, hey, listen, as long as you have gravity, plumbing works, right? Plumbing hasn't changed. Their biggest change in years has been plastic instead of copper. The smart home integration industry, there's a lot going on. It's a lot computer-related, everything. Even a new DVD player, when you plug it in, needs a firmware update. My biggest gripe is that our industry, it's time to grow up. It's time to be a professional industry. And what do I mean by that? My definition of professional is somebody that's always looking for more knowledge. They're always getting recertified. They're always looking to better themselves, right? You don't want to go to a dentist that just came out of school. You want to go to a dentist that's got 20 years' experience, right? On top of that, our industry, it's always been the tech guy, right? It's always been the, the guy or the kid that's always liked the technology, and then they get into it because they want to sell it because they can't afford it, right? So they're going to play on your dime. That's a huge no-no, right? For us, one of the very important things for us is making sure that the product works. So we have our own criteria, you know, so those would be my biggest pet thieves. And that's again, back to some points I made earlier is the easy things that you can do to qualify your next integrator is go online, Google the company's name, Google the owner of the company's name. There should be, I expect great things from them, right? Google my name, Ryan Hurd. You'll see a bunch of great things, uh, magazines that we've been in, uh, awards that we've won, Angie's List, you know, hundreds of positive responses. You want to see that. And then on top of that, you want to interview them and see how they're going to be. Some guys, you know, you'll be able to work well with. Some guys, you won't. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. Ryan, I had a question with regard to insurance discounts. Do you, yes. A lot of the state managers have to help their principals with getting their properties insured. Do, do smart technology systems uh, entitle properties to any kind of discounted insurance rates? None that I know of, but we're actually actively working on that. And here's the reason why. Let me give you a scenario. You have a smart house, and let's say it's a second property. We can set that smart house up that it's got water sensors under all the vanities, mm -hmm. all the toilets, everything, yeah. right? We can set it yeah. up that if it sees water, it can shut the main or it can shut valves in all these locations. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying mm -hmm. that you won't get water damage, but what I am saying is that it'll minimize the damage. That has to be worth something. 
So again, yeah. as the Internet of Things emerge, as smart home technology becomes more prevalent, I am sure that the insurance companies will be giving something for that because it absolutely helps. It minimizes the liability. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if there Excellent. are any other technologies that, that you're aware of as far as like wearables, like smart watches, or even with <laughs> I know solar is going to be a big component going forward in the future. Will that be integrated into, into smart technology as well? Oh, absolutely. There are so many cool things coming down the pipe. So envision this. And, and some of it comes down to humans and how we interact with our environment. So think of, are we going to interact with our future environment through voice, lights on, TV on? Are we going to interact with our future environment waving our hand? Now, we've seen early adoptions of this. Think of Xbox 360 with the little sensor, right? And you would jump up and down, play ball, whatever. We also had it. So there are technologies coming down there that can do both of them. You know, a little headset that you're going to wear just like your phone, and uh, one minute you're talking on the phone, the next minute you're telling your house to uh, turn on Jimmy Buffett in uh, the living room, dining room, and kitchen, you know. Other technologies that are really close is, listen, I'll pretty much guarantee you that the next house your principal builds, instead of running high-voltage electric to all the lights, we're going to be running Cat7 to all the lights. Now, that may seem odd, but think of it like this. In the foyer, maybe you have 10 hi-hats or cans in the ceiling. You've got 10 100-watt light bulbs up there, right? So 10 times 100 is, you know, 1,000 watts. That's a lot of wattage. Well, I can run all those light bulbs with LED light bulbs that are now 9 watts that give out the same amount of lighting. So now we're talking about 90 watts, less than 100 watts. On top of that, each one of those is its own node. So guess what? When it's really dark out, sure, I can pull on all 10 of them. But then I can also put on just six or four. What about two? Mm -hmm. On top of that, LEDs can be color. Maybe I want to do a blue, a nice blue glow throughout the entire house. Maybe an orange. Maybe I'm having a party. So see how much more flexibility you have with the technology? So you've got a lot of cool things coming down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Ryan, I think we could pretty much agree that we could uh, continue having this discussion for, for uh, about 10 more hours. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> um, unfortunately, our time, uh, time together has, uh, has kind of come to an end. So with that being said, um, we would like to uh, obviously thank Ryan Hurd for being on the show today. Um, and as always, if you have any questions for Ryan, um, he gave his information earlier, but you can certainly reach out to us and we can provide you with that. Uh, if you have any questions regarding on how you can become more involved in your local chapter of DEMA or you have any questions about the private service industry in general, please feel free to send those questions to info at domesticmanagers.com. Once again, that's I-N-F-O at domesticmanagers.com. We're very excited that we'll be back on the air next week uh, on Wednesday, February the 17th, and we'll be joined by New York Tri-City DEMA Chapter President and Estate Manager Roger Kushwa. Uh, This will kick off our first installment of the Private Service Professional Corner, and uh, we're going to be talking about email etiquette, which uh, I know is a very important topic for all of us, including all of our uh, suppliers as well as our private service professionals. That show will air at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, I've been your host, 
with the assistance of my co-host, DJ Haverkamp. I'd like to thank him as well, and we will look forward to talking to you all again next Wednesday.